You are listening to the Wellness Insider Network, episode number nine. Welcome to the Wellness Insider Network podcast, a place where you discover how to create a balanced, vibrant, and stress-free life with the right food, herbs, and self-care techniques. I'm your host, Lana Camille. I'm a college professor, drug information pharmacist, and an herbalist. Thank you for joining me on this adventure. Let's get the show started. Hello, everyone. My today's guest is Leslie Carrier, and I have been following Leslie's work for a few years now. Leslie is an international gourmet personal chef. She's a cookbook author, recipe developer. She specializes in vegetarian, vegan, and gluten-free whole foods and organic cuisine. Leslie lives in New England and runs a business that encompasses custom culinary work, food as medicine, and her own organic B&B in Western Massachusetts for private clients. She also does private and group cooking instruction and coaching all around the world. Leslie is a pioneer and national authority on gluten-free cooking and baking and the entire spectrum of whole grains and cooking with wild foods. Because of her specialty in grains, she is much sought after by healthcare professionals and private clients to coach them how to translate their challenges with dietary allergies into something that is a culinary success and meal satisfaction. I am absolutely thrilled to have her here. Welcome. Thank you very much. How are you I'm doing? I'm very delighted to be here. I'm great. Thank I'm great. It's you. sunny in New England. That's a good thing. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Even though it is chilly today. So I want to... Yes. I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about your journey. When did you know that cooking is your passion and your path in life? It kind of found me, I would say. I, I have a master's degree from Teachers College, Columbia University in movement sciences and education. And one of my first university teaching positions brought me down to Eastern Kentucky, where a colleague of mine brought me to a health food store. Now, this was the late 70s, and I didn't grow up eating real whole foods. I mean, I grew up eating lots of fruits and vegetables, but no real grains to speak of, no beans, really. And here was the store full of all these ingredients I never saw or heard of. I arrived down in Kentucky with a copy of Edward S. B. Brown's um, bread book, which is all about how to improvise. Okay. And being a university teacher, I would spend a couple of hours once a week at this natural food store. And I would quiz the owners, like, what's this? And how do you cook it? And every week I would bring home something new. And then while everybody was taking, um, writing down their dreams and writing down um, all kinds of things in journals, I was making lists of recipes of uh-huh. Not necessarily how much of this or that, but what ingredients I put in the pot or the wok or the bread, not even thinking I would write a cookbook. And that went on for a good year. I ended up coming back home to New York City and studying more um, creative dance and movement. My father had a brain tumor in 1985, and that was back in the days when 
macrobiotic cooking was thought of as food for medicine. And I said, all right. I was also on scholarship to the International Center for Photography and starting to sell my artwork. And I said, okay, I'm getting out of the darkroom. That's toxic. I know that. I'm already running all over New York City getting organic ingredients. So I knew. And I just started exploring macrobiotic cooking. And a friend of mine tipped me off and said, you should cook at the Cushy Summer Program. And um, I did that for a week. It was eight hours a day. I came home. A friend of mine taught, uh, I had one macrobiotic cooking lesson. And then she left town and she said, Leslie, take over. And huh? I was like, what do, you, what do you mean take over? She said, you could do it. So I put an ad in the local um, paper saying too busy to cook. Leslie loves to cook and advertising, as I still do, that I can fill your refrigerator with luscious main dishes and side dishes for your health, vitality, and pleasure. And just started keeping notes of what I was doing, not thinking I would write a cookbook, started teaching cooking classes. And all of a sudden people were like, you should write a cookbook. I was like, all right, I have lots of notes. Um, not realizing how difficult it would be to write a cookbook based on scraps of paper and so forth. Yes, yes. That was six cookbooks ago, and I still love to cook. It's been 30 years of cooking, and and that's kind of my journey. I'm, I'm self-taught. Um, one other little story of who taught me how to cook sure. was my, my grandma, Ethel, when okay. I was in high school. I said, Grandma, how, how do you make this strudel dough? And she said, well, you take some flour and water, and it should look like this. And I was like, well, how much? She said, well, you take some flour and water, and it should look like this. And if it doesn't work, you throw it out. And so I learned to engage my senses, look at things, smell, taste, touch. And um, even when I teach my classes, I'm still trying to get people to engage their senses and not think about exact measurements, even though my recipes are tried and true. But I still love the discovery of what happens if we change this or what happens if this is out of stock or out of season. I, I love that lesson and I love the story because I think very often now we experiment with uh, food that we might not be familiar with from our childhood. And so we do follow, at least I know uh, myself, I follow a lot of different recipes, but I think nothing can really work as well as your taste and your smell and, you know, the texture, re recognizing what the texture should be. So thank you for that. I also want to ask you one question. You mentioned macrobiotic uh, diet, and I think that some of our listeners might not know what it is. Can you tell us just a little bit of what macrobiotic diet is? Macrobiotic diet is generally about staying in balance. So back in, in the late 70s and 80s, when it became more popular, it was known for a diet that would strengthen your immune system and heal cancer and other diseases. It basically was, um, I would say it was a vegan diet with fish. Okay. <laughs> Some wild foods, definitely sea vegetables, and um, based on the local harvest. And okay. from doing a lot of macrobiotic cooking, I became really excited about a wider variety of whole grains and so branched out into becoming an expert with a lot of the gluten-free whole grains and not thinking of, in macrobiotics, it was like brown rice every day, maybe three times a day. And I really love variety and being able to create recipes with the local harvest. So that's kind of my foundation. 
but I've certainly expanded from that. Can you, uh, uh, that's, that's wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about grains? Because this is one uh, area that I think is very, very unique to you, that you have this diversity of experience with grains. And I think that a lot of people, when they're told, oh, no more gluten, they think, okay, the only thing that I have to eat for the remainder of my days is going to be rice. But you're clearly telling us that there is just this beautiful variety there. And I would just love to learn a little bit more. Sure. Um, when I wrote Gluten-Free Recipes for the Conscious Cook, it's a cookbook that has um, focuses on 10 different gluten-free grains. And then within those gluten-free grains, for instance, like rice, you know, we have a Bhutanese rice and a black forbidden rice and then basmati rice and jasmine rice and many, many more. So I started seeing grains as high fiber great for stress, loads of B vitamins. Um, and that way, if you are gluten-free, it expands your repertoire, which I love making um, pancakes and waffles and cookies and pie crusts with all the variety that there is. Um, and so I never feel like, oh, gee, hmm, I can't have that. It's more like, wow, look what I can have. And so I started expanding my repertoire, and there are, like I said, 10 different gluten-free grains um, that my body said yes to. You know, when I ate everything, I was like, oh, man, that is absolutely delicious, fills me up in a way that gives me energy and stamina, and also um, is delicious. So I discovered teff back in 1990, or back in 1989, at that macrobiotic summer camp. My uh, former teacher was handling out samples, and teff is a powerhouse of nutrition, be meaning that a cup of teff, if you're using the grain, is about 80% iron wow. and about 32% calcium. So in that way, I looked at all the gluten-free grains, which... Um, are all super powerhouses of nutrition. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is the neutral backdrop in terms of the color for me to mix and match seasonal vegetables and herbs and spices and really have a global feast. I love that. Thank you. So um, I know that you became a vegetarian uh, chef, but also uh, you have written extensively uh, about cooking uh, with the seasonal ingredients. And so in our society where everything is available on demand throughout the year, could you talk a little bit more about why seasonal ingredients are so important to you and why cooking in season is important? When I think of peak nutrition, I think of what's the freshest food I can have. And living in New England, I'm really lucky because even in the winter, there are root cellars and greenhouses, and then my carbon footprint is lower. So this time of year, I might have put up corn or tomato sauce or made some pesto, but there's so many other root vegetables coming in that I'm excited to use, and that also will keep me in harmony with my environment. If I'm eating what's in season, then I'm going to be warm enough because I'm eating the foods that are, you know, like these big root celeriacs or rutabagas or butternut squash or even sweet potatoes, which are coming in now, beets and so forth. It's kind of, um, it's a big organic feast. And again, variety is what I love. So as the seasons change here in New England, I have the opportunity to make that, say, curry coconut vegetable soup 
all year round with different vegetables. And so the same soup gets to be several different kinds of soups. And then I can mix and match the fresh herbs. And when the fresh herbs are not available, I can use more dried spices. So it enhances my creativity. Again, the nutrition, anything that's fresh picked is going to be, I think, more nutritious than something that is several weeks old that has made a trip cross country. Not to say that I wouldn't have an avocado, um, right? because I will. Makes sense. But it, it, what's, what's interesting about it, um, I was born in Ukraine. And so I remember from all throughout my childhood, we were always very excited about strawberries. And strawberries were there only from middle of June until like for a week or two. And I remember coming to the United States and discovering that you can get strawberries in supermarket anytime, like in January. And we were, we were just amazed. We were in awe. We thought that people here are doing something really spectacular. They're magically making these strawberries appear in the middle of winter. But with time, I started recognizing that I'm not craving strawberries in the middle of winter, that this is something that watermelon, strawberries, some of these summer uh, foods that I only eat and want them during the summer months. And so um, with time, I, I came back to what I really knew from my childhood. And I, I, I am definitely very much appreciative of eating and cooking in season. And it makes a lot more sense for my body. So thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. So what are some of the ingredients that you always have on hand in your kitchen or in your refrigerator? Let's see. My kitchen is quite stocked. <laughs> so this time of year, I have a lot of vegetables. My, um, my root drawer is stuffed right now, and that is um, because I do personal chef work, and sometimes people will spontaneously call me. I'm usually stocked enough to cook for somebody for a week, or at least everything keeps well. So like in the greens drawer, I have loads of kale right now, and I have some leeks. These are all from my organic farm and CSA. And then in the root drawer, I've got, you know, beets and carrots and rainbow radish and even some Brussels sprouts and daikon radish. I've got a big variety of beans and grains. I've got some tempeh in the fridge. I've got a big rack of spices, everything I can possibly want to make something Mexican or Italian or Asian. My freezer is packed with um, the bounty of the summer, the frozen berries, should I want to make some strawberry sauce for my waffles, or the pesto I mentioned, or I've got blueberries. So I stock up on what I think I'm going to have. I've got a variety of healthy fats, like organic ghee and virgin coconut oil, virgin olive oil, red palm oil, fair trade organic, so that I can, in every part of my cooking process, I have choices. Okay. So I've got salt, variety of salty seasonings as well, different kinds of sea salts and misos and tamari and umeboshi and loads of sea vegetables, um, just to name a few. <laughs> that, that's great. Thank you. So, but when you have a student that is uh, learning with you or from you, wh where would you teach them to begin? Like, how do you uh, start them so they don't feel overwhelmed because they're not quite at your level just yet? And so how do you make them more confident and teach them to start maybe experimenting with a few ingredients, what those few would be? So if we, 
Yep. Go ahead. <clears throat> if you want to talk a little bit more about the, the vegetables or even spices, because I think uh, I always get a lot of questions from my students about variety of different spices. Coming from Ukraine, I knew salt, pepper and cinnamon. That's it. And so coming here, <laughs> it was a, a, an interesting adventure. Totally. Well, if I'm doing a private lesson, I'll have a conversation with them before they come and find out what they want to learn. Some people are beginners, and some people are coming for more inspiration, and some people are coming for healing food. Mm -hmm. And so I find out like what they want to learn, and then I have those ingredients on hand with kind of a, a few recipes that I know I'm going to teach them. And with that in mind, when people come to me, if if I get a question that is not related to what we talked about, if they want to go in a different direction, we can because we're in my kitchen and I'm so well stocked. I usually start with offering somebody some of my homemade non-caffeinated chai and we sit down and we sort of get grounded and then find out again, here's what we're thinking of doing, is this what you want to do? And then I will start them off with some chopping skills mm -hmm. because I have ceramic knives and I want people to be able to use them and I want to be able to relax when they use them because you can only use them on wood. And then once I help them even with their body mechanics to breathe, keep their shoulders down, just get people to feel really relaxed and grounded and centered in the kitchen and then offer them choices because say we were going to make that coconut curried lentil soup. I will say, okay, here's the spices we can make. We can use a curry powder or we can use a variety of spices like cinnamon and cumin and cayenne, for instance, coriander. And, and then I'll ask them what they would like to use. And some people are like, I'll just use the curry powder. And some people are like, you know what? I want to learn how to make my own curry. And so the lesson kind of um, has its own rhythm with what they want to learn. And then even within that, would you like to put in onions or this time of year, potatoes, sweet potatoes, butternut squash, um, some fresh cilantro, or do you want to just keep it simple, maybe just carrots? Uh, do you want to use red lentils? Do you want to use brown? So it just all of a sudden it opens up a world to like, oh my gosh, I thought we were just going to make it one way. So what I'm offering people is a recipe for inspiration as well as um, we could just do the basics. So it's very individualized. And in group sessions, I'll pick a theme. Like I just did eating your way to strong bones or spice it up, creative cooking with herbs and spices. And I'm already getting requests for other classes. So I'm thinking of what would I like to teach? What would people like to know? And then that becomes in a group, like who wants to know what and all the questions that come. And then at a certain point, I'll be like, okay, this is hands-on. Let's get in the kitchen. That's wonderful. Thank you. So when you look at uh, cooking, at meal preparation for yourself, or when you're teaching your students, do you plan your meals for the week? Or do you teach your students to plan uh, their, uh, their meals? If not, what is the typical approach? I think the typical approach is to be stocked. Okay. And, you know, with, with as I mentioned, a variety of staples. And if some, some people are planners, and some people have full-time jobs, so they need to, by Sunday, have their refrigerated stocked. 
some so so it just really depends you know if people want me to help them plan with our local harvest how to create a menu that will feed them through the week and how to magically transform leftovers so they become a, a new and exciting dish I can do that. Um, for me, I am often very spontaneous. Uh, I'll work with the seasons. You know, maybe I might still have some tomatillos, so I might make a vegetarian chili and eat that for a few days, invite some friends over to enjoy it with me. And then, you know, I have a variety of favorite things as the weather gets cold, my Ethiopian chickpea stew or various different grain loaves. So I just kind of stocked. And then, you know, this time of year, I have a masonry brick oven. So I will generally, when the fire is out, I can bake with the radiant heat. So I'll often throw in, make an apple cranberry crisp, as long as the heat's there. Or I might roast up some vegetables. And that way, later on, when I am hungry, I'm like not starting from scratch going, oh, gee. <laughs> So I try to have something made and a variety of things that are relatively quick from scratch. That sounds wonderful. So, but in the world, so you mentioned that some people are working full time and this uh, podcast, the audience of this podcast are either college students or young professionals. So most of them are pretty busy. And so in the world where we really do not spend much time cooking as perhaps our parents or grandparents did, um, do you have shortcuts that you would recommend or strategies to embrace cooking as a time well spent? Well, absolutely, yes to everything. Um, I, I love to think about like the spirit of cooking. So I never want to serve rush or haste or anger. So even in my classes, I'm often saying, you know, let's, you know, I want to create peace. And I want to have vegetarian cooking from the heart. When you're chopping, you know, your hand is an extension of your heart. So I like to think about those things. And, and I definitely teach a, a class that I call Vegetarian Express Delicious Meals in Minutes. And the, in there, I highlight what are the quick cooking ingredients and what to stock and how to stock it so that you can make a variety of soups and stir fries and salads and dressings and just various different grains that are quick from scratch, like like quinoa, for instance, which most people are familiar with, and variety of nuts and seeds. You can add protein. I've always got hemp around, so I can make a quick cilantro pesto and make that with some quinoa pasta if I like. And so once people see the variety that is quick and easy, generally you've got 15 or 20 minutes. Okay. And you can make enough for a couple of days of certain dishes for sure. Great. Thank you. You, you mentioned uh, hemp as far as protein goes. What are some of the other uh, typical sources of protein that you use in your diet? Sure. I, I definitely use plenty of hemp and chia seeds. Those are complete proteins. I'll use some grains that are complete proteins also, and all the full spectrum of grains. But when I'm thinking of quick proteins that are quick, um, I think of kasha and quinoa. Okay. And even rolled oats, those okay. are great sources of protein and other nutrition as well. I'll have tempeh around. Um, what else? Beans. And some beans need to be complemented with grains. So when I have the lentils, I might serve that with some, with some rice or other grains. Um, 
I'm just pretty well stocked. But for protein, I also eat grass-fed organic local eggs and loads of grass-fed local artisan cheeses. So beans, grains, nuts, seeds, and a wide variety of organic local vegetables. Okay, great. Thank you. In addition to your uh, books that I'm going to include in show notes for our audience, what are some of the other resources, like maybe your favorite books or other web resources that you would recommend to a beginner vegetarian chef? Or maybe someone who is looking for inspiration. (laughs) Well, certainly my website is, is loaded. I mean, I've been developing it for 30 years. And I know that if you're vegan, you could go to vegkitchen.com. There's, that's almost encyclopedic in terms of everything that's there. In fact, many of my videos and recipes are also there, along with a wealth of other chefs. Um, when I was teaching myself to cook, I, I, I read Deborah Madison's cookbooks and got inspired by her approach. Um, Let's see, I also read um, Edward S.B. Brown's improvisational cookbooks, and those were very inspiring as well. Okay. Uh, they're vegetarian chefs. Um, I don't really go on the Internet very much okay. at this point looking, okay. but I think a search would bring... There's, there's a lot of people doing a lot of interesting things out there. Okay. And if I'm developing a recipe, I may put in like a cranberry scone and see what other people are doing and um, get some ideas. That's great. Thank you. So I actually want to take us one step back because when you were talking about the techniques, the knife techniques, you were talking about ceramic knives. Are there certain Mm -hmm. things that you recommend that every beginner chef either invests in as far as tools go? So uh, whether it is knives, specific types of pots, anything else that you can kind of think of, um, Just what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, definitely. You want to have a good variety of cookware. So if you're going to make an investment, in fact, a lot of people who come to my cooking classes, they're like, oh, you don't have any aluminum pots. I'm like, right, I don't use aluminum. I use cast iron, which I think of as the original nonstick, so I don't use any of those petroleum uh, nonstick pans. I use glass and lead-free pottery. And um, those ceramic knives, for sure. I use stainless steel pots and pans as well. Um, My tools in the kitchen are stainless steel and wood. So I use wooden cutting boards, and I love those. And uh, with a ceramic knife, you can't cut stone on stone. Mm -hmm. I do recommend that people um, invest in beautiful cutting boards. Invest in, no matter what your budget is, invest in things that make you happy in the kitchen. So maybe you have one ceramic knife and you've got a beautiful big cutting board. And then um, I started and I went to, I remember a flea market back in Kentucky and bought my first wooden spoon and a cutting board. And that's kind of how I started. I had some stainless steel pots and pans. And every year as I got deeper and deeper into cooking and cooking for other people, I invested in bigger pots but always staying within the ones that I felt um, would give me the most health support. Again, that's cast iron, glass, lead-free ceramic, and uh, stainless steel. Thank you. Thank you. In terms of pots. Thank you. And lastly, with the ceramic knives, you don't have to sharpen those. So that's a time saver. 
Okay. I appreciate that. What additional things do you uh, want this audience to know that we have not discussed? I think that I like people to feel connected. I mean, I live in the woods and I have belonged to an organic community supported farm for 30 years. I have my own organic garden, which I adore. I think of that as my own gym out there. Because um, it's a lot of work and it's physical, but the bounty is luscious and very nourishing on many levels. So I think people should definitely surround themselves with beauty and to also feel connected to their source of food. Who grows it? You know, many people live in a city. I know there are rooftop gardens and urban gardens and CSAs that travel from the country and the woods into cities. Um, and so you can really be connected to who grows your food. Um, there's been a corporate takeover of a lot of small organic food companies that have grown. And so I just really want to know that I, when I go and I shop, who who's getting those profits? You know, are they companies that are supporting genetically modified foods and also own organic companies? So I kind of look at the political fork, the responsible and delicious eating. So I encourage people to create beauty on their plate and beautiful relationships with their farmers, whether they go to a farmer's market or they grow something themselves. On my website, I even have an article on how to grow herbs, you know, in your own windowsill. Um, so beauty is definitely really important to me and sensuality and, um, and the yum, of course, and, and looking at the nutrition, but not eating something just because it's good for you, eating something because you really have the pleasure of that as well. Yes, I love that. I love that message. Thank you. So before we part, I want to ask you, how can our listeners uh, learn more about you and from you? They should go to my website, which is www.lesley, L-E-S-L-I-E, C as in chef, E-R-I-E-R.com. There's a wealth of information there. I post um, the latest cooking class schedule. I also post rates if you want me to do personal chef work or you want me to develop recipes. A lot of companies um, I work with and also I as you mentioned in the introduction, I offer recipe development for people with allergies. So private lessons, the organic B&B, and even the art, the impressionistic nature photography, which I've also returned to. And so people can contact me, come, come for a visit, see the gallery, come take a cooking class, consult with me as we're Skyping. Um, yeah, what else? Um, yeah, the photography is just... Also, a beautiful reflection of the peaceful and meditative energy that I get in the woods. So, I, absolutely, I hope they'll check that out as well. I hope so, too. Your photography is just so inspiring and so beautiful. So, I will also post some of your social media uh, accounts in the show notes as well. Thank you. That's perfect. Yes, people can follow me on Instagram or The Organic Gourmet Leslie Carrier on Facebook. Um, they can join my email list. I'm kind of the kind of person that puts out an email maybe once a month. So okay. don't wait for those. I'm usually busy doing all kinds of yummy things. Okay. So please 
please contact me. That would be wonderful to hear from you. Okay. Leslie, thank you so very much. This was so interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us today. You can find a summary sheet with Leslie's recommendations for 10 ancient grains, along with the rest of the resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes at wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash nine. This episode is proudly sponsored by Pure Indian Foods. Pure Indian Foods is a company created by the fifth generation ghee makers. Ghee is a healthy, shelf-stable alternative to butter and other cooking oils. Since it has a high smoke point, ghee is one of the best fats you can use for baking and high heat cooking. To learn more about the products and the company's philosophy, please visit wellnessinsidernetwork.com slash pureindianfoods. Or check out the show notes for the link to the product I usually have on hand in my kitchen, 100% organic grass-fed ghee. If you use a discount code LANA, you'll get $5 off on your first order over $25. I hope you've enjoyed this interview with Leslie Carrier. If you can, please help with the show by leaving an iTunes rating or review so more people can learn about the Wellness Insider Network podcast. Thanks again for being here. I appreciate you. Be smart, be healthy, be you.